and welcome to another episode of the Hand Me Up Club. I am Lindsay Rutter and I am so excited to be talking with you all this week. All of you listening from wherever you are, you are probably listening on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, in whichever one you're listening on, please rate or subscribe or tell your friends because the more people that do that, the more interesting people I can get on the show and the more we can all learn and grow and it's going to be amazing. And speaking of amazing, I have two amazing guests with me this week because that's how we do it on the Hammy Up Club. We always bring in two people. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so this week I have Kathleen Subiano. Uh, she was born in LA. She went to school in the Philippines, but her first job out of college was working for a women's fashion magazine before coming to New York. She founded a magazine for Filipino millennials and a lifestyle website for Filipino women. And then she started designing jewelry, which is what we're going to talk about today, called Alahas, shortly after moving to New York when she couldn't really find jewelry made out of the unique materials that were readily available to her back at home in the Philippines. Then... She co-founded Casa Isla, a line of home decor with her partner Camille a couple months later, and she's passionate about promoting slow and sustainable fashion, women, and minority-owned businesses, and putting the spotlight on the exceptional talent of Filipino craftsmen. Now, Camille via Vicencio was born and raised in the Philippines as well, and she's an entrepreneur that co-founded sustainable brands like Casa Isla with Kathleen, and it's a line of uh, handmade home goods and decor. Uh, she also works as a customer success analyst for a tech company called Animoto, which is a video builder company that helps small businesses create marketing videos in minutes. She focuses on designing for a future that has equal opportunity, no poverty, and zero waste. Simple things. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, big deal. No big deal. <laughs> equal opportunity, no poverty, zero waste. A little Done. bit ambitious, but... Just going big, right? Hey, I love it. I love it. So, welcome Kathleen and Camille. Hey. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you here. So, I guess we can tell people just sort of super randomly. Mm-hmm. Kathleen, I met, met is in air quotes for people who are not in the room and cannot see this, uh, at an event. It was at Bulletin. It was about female founders. Mm-hmm. And I remember they were all, you have to really promote yourselves and put yourself out there. And they just kind of picked on Kathleen and were like, why don't you ever feel like you can just self-promote and talk about yourself? And they made you tell everyone your Instagram handle yeah. and have everyone <laughs> follow you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... I had a question for, so every event that I go to, I always make it a point to ask a question um, because in my perspective, um, especially when you have a panel of like, you know, really smart and, you know, accomplished women, like if you have an opportunity to ask them something and pick their brain, you should. So um, my question was how do you network like I feel like I go to these things and then I just kind of like I go and then I just fade into the background when everybody files out of the room and they're like no you have to be more aggressive about it and Mm -hmm. so they asked me what my Instagram was like one of them um Gilly of Gilly's Organic she's like you you want to make a friend here let me add you an Instagram what's your Instagram and I was like broke shields underscore and the entire (laughs) room was just like Yep, follow her. Was just <laughs> laughing was about it. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. And then, you know, months later, I was going through like all the people and finally, like, who is this? I was like, oh. And it's like, oh. It's like a cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
and so, yeah, yeah and everyone was just like oh this is also my instagram handle and like yeah. everyone was just sharing each other's instagram handle so it was like a good community that we were just like oh connecting until now i'm still connecting with Gilly's organic as yeah. well. Yeah, so yeah cool. no, she's great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you should have her on your podcast too. I should. Yeah. I can talk to her. So much personality, so much oh energy. Do you remember yeah. her? Yeah, I loved her. She was yeah. great. I feel like she was just so hands-on too with like, I mm-hmm. made this product and then all of a sudden it was boom, it was in this store and this store and yeah. I just didn't yeah. let anyone say no and we just kept going for it. I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and she actually reached out to me, and I actually won her one of her like promotions. Oh my god! <laughs> and what she did you said, win? I won like her um organic um sugar scrub, oh and she god. was like sending me every month, and she's so sweet. She's oh amazing. My god. You're gonna love her. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> well, all right. We'll try and get her on the podcast. <laughs> Clearly, she is a personality not to be missed. <laughs> That's amazing. So. Gillies aside, let's talk about your brands. Like, let's talk about Alajas. Let's talk about Casa Isla. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're really personal to you guys, mm-hmm. not only in the products themselves, yeah. but sort of the people who are making them and your mm-hmm. vision and your story. Um, mm-hmm. What we kind of touched on it a little bit in Kathleen's bio. Like, you mm-hmm. didn't see those kinds of products here, so you yeah. want to make them yourselves. But what mm-hmm. was sort of your vision for? starting a line of jewelry and all these products and home goods that you guys have mm-hmm. what why so i moved to new york um in summer of 2016 and then i flew back that christmas because my brother was getting home and i didn't fly home with like this specific idea that oh i'm gonna start a business um it was more like i started noticing like the big trend at the time where these like i don't know if you remember like these really big sculptural um acrylic earrings yeah yeah like um like rachel comey was coming out with like earrings like that and i thought it was beautiful you know i i found you know her jewelry really beautiful and you know the other designers who were making it too but they were really expensive and i thought it's really expensive and it's made of plastic at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and i just thought number one Plastic has no inherent value. You know, plastic is, it's what, you know, it's its made in a factory. And number two, um, is, isn't there enough plastic in this world? Like, aren't we in a bit of a pickle right now? Um, you know, in terms of like pollution and everything, because there's just way too much plastic in the world. And so I just thought, you know, like no diss to Rachel Comey. I love Rachel Comey, but you know, um, I just thought, well, what if I started creating, you know, statement jewelry as well, but using organic materials that not only had intrinsic value because they're from, you know, the sea, it's, you know, it's made by Mother Nature, but also, you know, what if I brought in, like, the culture of handmade and handcrafted goods made in the Philippines um, into the picture as well, because... I feel like most of the time when you mention the Philippines to, you know, people who haven't been there, you know, they think, oh, beaches, oh, Manny Pacquiao, the boxer, or like, oh, she was Miss Universe that one year, right? You know, but I don't think a lot of people are aware that actually there is a very long tradition of like weaving and like creating like Mm -hmm. different like um, handcrafted goods 
um, that are actually really well made and a lot of you know a lot of like really big like furniture companies for instance they have their their furniture made in the Philippines just because like our weavers are really good at what they do and so I kind of just I remember walking into like the Pearl District in the Philippines and I said show me your who makes your mother of pearl jewelry and so like from one stall to another you know like one woman said oh go to this one and this one and this one and finally I found this woman she was the only one who was doing mother of pearl jewelry and I just made a few prototypes on the spot based on the stock that she had and the next morning I picked it up on my way to the airport and I flew back to New York. Like it really wasn't this like intentional thing that I was going to do. It was just an idea that popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a few months later, um, we were actually in this bazaar for my other brand, mm-hmm. which is the sleeve set one. And mm-hmm. then we were, I was telling her how amazing it is, like her designs in, um, in Alahas. And I was like, we should do something that is like similar, like using the same, um, uh, natural sustainable, um, materials, but in home decor. So we were just like, kind of like exchanging ideas and we were like, kind of excited about it and then a few months later I went to the Philippines I met some uh, female artisans in the Philippines and we were like I was like talking to them and like sharing like you know the designs that we had like ideas that we had and we just kind of like we kind of just like connected and every time we have like new um, design ideas we would just like order it from them and then they'll hand make it and then like send it um, here in the US or like sometimes like someone would just like um, like send photos and you would just like go for it yeah, yeah. wow so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though that's kind of I think the theme of your life I've been getting that you just yeah. kind of go for it which yeah is really cool. <laughs> um I love that so much uh so I do want to talk now hearing about I didn't even realize there was a pearl district like there were enough Philippines and or enough pearls in the Philippines to warrant oh, a pearl yeah. district. Mm-hmm. So um actually the Philippines was known as the Pearl of the Orient back in the day because um there was like this pearl route that the Chinese would take um and the Philippines like if you like do your research on pearls like South Sea pearls are like they're like the diamonds of pearls, basically. Like it, they're the, just the most like expensive kind of pearl, and I believe South Sea pearls are only you can only find them like in the Philippines, Japan, and Australia. But pearls are huge in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Like there's a photo of like an oyster with a pearl. Yeah. On our thousand peso bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're actually called like pearless ng silanganan. It's like um kind of like a pearl of the Orient. Yeah, pearl yeah. of the Orient, and it's like we're known for pearls basically and shells so i was telling her a while ago about like us having about 7107 islands Mm -hmm. with like different kinds of shells and pearls and it's so beautiful so um yeah we have like pearl farms in the philippines yeah and like one of the i wanted to mention about like the material that we use like one of the main materials that we use for casa isla is capis and um capis is a kind of shell um that is uh, produced in oh, it's that like really shimmery one. Yeah, yeah that's the one and it's actually produced in this um province in the philippines which is also called capiz mm-hmm. and it's like um an 80 kilometer um coastline 
which is uh, which used to uh, swampland, a swampland, yeah. and then it was converted later on to fish ponds. And like the place itself is like a testament to sustainability and um, resourcefulness. So, yeah, yeah, and like before, like the province of Capiz like had no industry whatsoever, and so. Mm-hmm. By converting that whole area into like a cuppies producing um, area, like they just kind of like created livelihoods for themselves, and they yeah. just completely turned like their lifestyles and their economic situations mm-hmm. around. Yeah. So yeah. basically, they they um, that's where they actually live by there. Like they they wake up, they fish for those um, shells, and then they make it into like either home decor, jewelry, or anything. And they could sell those. Also, like the ones that it's inside the shell is also like it's they food. sell it as food as yeah. well. So yeah (laughs) that it's really great to hear that kind of industry and sustainability sort of go hand in hand together in the philippines Mm because i feel like those are two things that are usually at odds especially in the united Mm -hmm. states so (laughs) i like that they kind of go together there uh can you tell me a little bit more about that process and Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. like the pearls and all these different shells and how Mm -hmm. do you harvest those things in a way that aren't completely depleting resources i don't know yeah how if it's super like overrun with that so you can't get enough or (laughs) what what's the way to do it responsibly you know how are Mm -hmm. you guys doing it so actually there is no way to produce pearls or even mother of pearl without doing it sustainably because oysters are an incredibly sensitive um mollusk if there are slight changes in like the temperature of the ocean or if there's too much pollution or if there are too many waves, an oyster will not produce a pearl. Mm-hmm. So you, for like pearl farms, for instance, they have to be, you have to basically maintain like the ecosystem around you in order for your oysters to make pearls. I forgot where I read it, but um, somebody compared like uh, the pearl Somebody called the pearl like the autobiography of the oyster because it just basically tells you the story of like what its living conditions were at the time or like what kind of temperature was it. Um, You know, things like that can affect like uh, what kind of color the pearl comes out. You know, like you, the colors of pearls are amazing. Like you can get white ivory pearls, you can get um, black pearls. You can get, you know, gold pearls. Like, there are all different kinds of pearls that you can get. Um, but, yeah, there is no way to 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 work with, like, pearl jewelry or shell jewelry without taking care of the environment. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that I'd like to mention is um, with oysters, for instance, like, there's no part of that animal that is wasted because... On one hand, I think it goes back to um, the culture, the indigenous cultures of the Philippines where they really maximized every use out of the animal. You know, the pearl was um, what could be traded. Like, you could use it for money or you can sell it. Um, The mollusk inside, you could eat it. The shell itself, it's mother of pearl. And my earrings that I'm wearing right now, you know, it's mother of pearl. So if you can see, like, mother of pearl... It has like a very similar sheen to an actual pearl and that's because it's made of nacre and that's what the mollusk 
secretes whenever like an irritant like sand for instance if it enters an oyster their defense mechanism is to coat it in nacre and by coating it and coating it that's how you end up with a pearl so really no part it's it's um they were you know this whole system was sustainable even before sustainability you know became a thing mm -hmm. and um i think it's also has a lot to do with coming from like a third world country for instance where really like if you go to the philippines like you'll see that as much as possible like people don't waste anything over there like i remember I'd never worked retail before, so I worked when I moved to New York. I I got my first retail job, and I remember one thing that my coworkers would say about me is like I would never waste anything. Like, it was this like soap company that um they would make us chop up little chips of soap and then wrap them in cellophane, and if there was left over over cellophane, like I would like keep it to the side so that somebody could use it mm -hmm. later on, and other people would just like throw it away. And I'm like, why you could still use that? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just deeply ingrained in our culture mm -hmm. to like use use like every little bit of thing till to think of like the life cycle yeah you know of a material yeah. um yeah i totally agree like we grew up like just even with food like mm -hmm. we try to save everything and finish everything and you're our not plate. allowed to waste food like if you grew up in a filipino household you're not yeah. allowed to like it's even like a, a grain of rice like you are not allowed to leave that on your plate <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's the same with how like you know um these like you know the the materials that they actually harvest they use every material they don't waste it like for example with a capi's um shell like they also use the meat in there to sell yeah. and they use the whole thing um to like every part of like um creating like let's say a lamp or like a jewelry they won't waste that they won't throw it anywhere so um, yeah, that's why, like, ever since in the Philippines, I feel like they're living sustainably, even yeah. even before it was a thing, like, a sustainable thing. Uh, I mean, Asia in general, too. Like, I remember reading, like, I think it was a meme or a tweet where it's like, <laughs> don't come at Asians for, like, all the plastic bags that are out there in the world, because if you check our our cabinets under the kitchen sink, <laughs> it's full of every, all the bags. every yeah. single plastic, plastic bag that yes. we've encountered in our yeah. lives are there, like, you know? Yeah, um, we try to keep everything and not throw, like, as much as possible, not throw something that we can reuse. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I guess you could also call us sustainable hoarders in that way. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. But, yeah. but it's like, you know, you... Did you watch like Ali Wong's like comedy special where her mom's like, no, you can use this. Like, I mean, it's totally if you that can culture. use it, is it hoarding? I feel like hoarding gets the bad rap because you're holding on to trash or things that can't mm -hmm. be used. It's like the stacks of old newspapers or like the broken toasters. Yeah, that's a good but point. But if it's working, if it's functional, yeah. if it can be used, then is it hoarding? Not? I mean... <laughs> The thing that was um, veering off topic, but I do think a lot of people aren't able to make that distinction. And I think making that distinction is important because some people will like look at something and be like, mm, I can still use that. But unless you have a clear idea of what you're going to use it for, mm -hmm. then it's maybe hoarding. If you're like keeping it for like this nebulous idea of like, I'm going to use this for something, but you don't know what it is yet and it's just been laying there for months and months. <laughs> Maybe it's hoarding, but you know, um, for instance, there's a 
there's an organization called like Reuse NYC where like oh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so like you know it's amazing like they take in all these things and they repurpose them and you know I moved out of my apartment a few months ago and it was just so important to me to not just throw something away you know um I made it a point to like leave something out in the curbside and see if somebody would pick it up um and mm-hmm. if I had clothes that I wanted to get rid of you know I donated it to like you know H&M's like the, um upcycling yeah, yeah the bins yeah, the, yeah they have a name for it they have like they have a branded name for yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah that you know I just I made sure that nothing went into the trash like every single piece of furniture that um that we had, you know, we made sure that, you know, I'm giving it away. Who needs it? Like, I just, I didn't want to throw anything away. Yeah, and that's good when coming in, like, in this, like, sustainable lifestyle. Like, just being conscious about those small stuff. Like, being able to, like, upcycle or, like, reuse things that you can, like, actually, like, use in the future. Like Yeah, I mean, we even do the same with, um for how we ship things, for instance. Like, I, yeah. neither of us advertises this on our website. Um. I've been thinking about it. I just haven't gotten around to writing the copy for it. But um, I don't know what like the, the correct term is. But for instance, all of our packing material, it's all upcycled. Like if I order something online, for instance, like mm-hmm. if it comes with stuffing, mm-hmm. well, usually it comes with stuffing or if it comes like with an unmarked box that we can then repurpose into like shipping something out when somebody has an online order, like I reuse that, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't throw it away. Um, And I think that's important. Like, I feel like a lot of people when it comes to living sustainable lifestyles, you know, they think, oh, so like, I have to replace everything in like, in my kitchen, for instance, like I have to throw out all the plastic and replace it with... No, that's so much worse if you just throw out... Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I just think it's, it starts with um, looking at the things that, you know come across in your path and then just seeing how can I repurpose this like before throwing in throwing it in the trash it's just thinking how can I extend like the life cycle of this Mm -hmm. product you know Mm yeah Yeah. totally about using the things you already have instead of new things Mm -hmm. don't Mm -hmm. throw out the plastic kitchen things you already have just the next time you need a kitchen thing don't buy the plastic one Mm -hmm. yeah you'll say that with the cars too don't trade in your car for like a energy efficient <laughs> one that's just as bad the cars yeah, are yeah made. exactly but when it comes to the point when you need a car yeah make the better choice exactly yeah yeah i feel like that kind of sort of relates to i feel a struggle as a designer or a person who wants to create mm-hmm. because you want to create so many new things but then at the <laughs> same time there's this part of you that's like do we need more new things yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it's such like a hard struggle because mm-hmm. the artistic side of you and the creator yeah. is I want to make all these things and put all this into the world and then you're like, does the world need it though, or can it handle it? I guess yeah. is the better yeah. way to say it. And it's so tough. I mean, earlier I was reading about conscious consumerism, uh-huh. which wasn't actually what I thought it meant. Because um, I was talking about conscious consumerism before, but. Um, my own understanding of it was just being conscious of what, of, of, of just being more mindful of the things you buy. Like before you purchase something, just think, do I really need this? Like, 
is this going to serve an actual purpose in my life or do I like it just because it's pretty? But apparently conscious consumerism is like, it's basically the same concept as like voting for your, voting with your dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, have you seen like, it's this brand of um, hand soap and like body lotion called We Vote. No. So interesting. So I found it on Instagram. Apparently like, um, well, I don't know. You can just remove this if you don't want this on your podcast. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> apparently, like, uh, brands like Mrs. Myers have, like, supported Republicans or something. And mm-hmm. so they were, like, they found, like, a lot of, like, the big household um, cleaning supply brands, like, Tide and stuff like that, like, they've been secretly funding, like, Republicans. And so they came out with this brand called We Vote. And it's just, like, no, we're all of our money's just going to go to the Democrats and something like that. Oh. Yeah, and like, okay. I mean, like she mentioned about conscious consumerism, and I just wanted to mention about like how we try to actually produce like less products um, yeah. for our line, just so like we won't be like, like always what you call this mass producing, like how mm-hmm. other brands would. And like to your point, we want to be as creative as possible and create as much like you know designs, but we want to be conscious as to how many. Um, products we actually produce yeah because at the end of the day if you have something that's handmade like there's not a lot of it that you can produce you know at the end of the day um and also by producing in smaller quantities um we also just want people to just take stock of the fact that um you know this item is special and you know if you if you appreciate something like that then you can support it but you know, I've had, like, for instance, our most recent pop-up, like, I've had women come up and, like, look at my jewelry and just be like, oh, my God, I like it so mm-hmm. much. And, you know, it's for a good cause, but I just can't, you know, it's not in my budget right now. And it's like, for me, it's like, girl, if you're going to go into debt buying jewelry, then don't do it. You know, like, of course, like, on mine, I'd love to make a sale, but, you know, I don't think anybody would feel good making a sale knowing that, somebody just like screwed themselves over financially just to buy a product you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it's like basically like we want it to be special as well if like you're gonna get it it's because you really want it and it's something that you are not feeling guilty about buying like yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's true investment piece yeah yeah (laughs) that's awesome so we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier but i feel a big part of both of your brand's missions are the treatment of the workers and mm-hmm. really like giving mm-hmm. back to that artisan community mm-hmm. in the Philippines. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that or sort of, you mentioned the woman you found in the mm-hmm. stall, but mm-hmm. who are all the other women and yeah. what are they doing and how do they play into this? And they aren't as making as many products and it is sort of small batch, but mm-hmm. what does that mean? Is that enough to be their sole income or how, how are they working with you? So like for a lot of these women, like, we are just one client in a sea of clients that they have you know like Mm -hmm. the first woman that i worked with i still work with her today um you know she is like my number one like you know when i have an order and i need it fulfilled like i go to her first and then if she can't fulfill it then you know she'll tap into like the other women in her network and you know they'll help her along with the orders Mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of these women, like, if you visit, like, the Pearl District in the Philippines, you'll notice it's, like, mostly women. It's, like, these super gangster, like, Muslim women just, like, 
hawking pearls left mm-hmm. and right. And it's like, they're, you know, the customers flock to them. Like these mm-hmm. women like hustle day and night, you know, they're, they're sourcing the materials, they're making it themselves. You know, they go to the market in the morning and they display all of their wares, you know, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that, you know, we aren't, you know, these women's sole source of income, but it was important for me that they have more of, there's more like an an awareness of them outside Mm -hmm. of the Philippines. Like that's what was really important to me because Filipinos are very creative very artistic and very talented um but the thing is it's a third world country and when you're from a third world country your government doesn't really invest in developing artists and designers for instance and i think it's important for filipinos to be able to see that you know we're more than just nurses like that is like the number one occupation for Filipinos. Like a lot of Filipinos think, oh, in order to make it, I have to be a nurse. But, and there's nothing wrong with nurses, you know, um, my boyfriend's studying to be a nurse. But I feel that it's important to see like the occupation that you want be represented um, and to be validated. Yeah, and just like with us like doing this, as she mentioned, like the Philippines is like a third world country and with us trying to promote our um our country and also like these female artisans creating these um products, we're able to like um actually um tell the world that hey, why not, you know, help these uh Filipino uh female artisans to um, you know, like get their resources from the Philippines. Like when they cr- try to create like let's say a uh, uh, home brand why not like you know reach out to these female artisans and just like help them by like doing business with them so yeah <laughs> you know, yeah I would love if like you know like a big brand from over here for instance if like they see Alahas and they'd be like oh they make those kinds of things in the Philippines like maybe I should go to the Philippines and have my stuff made there too like if that happens I would be so happy because then you're you know, a lot of people in the Philippines, um, because the country is so poor and there aren't enough employment opportunities, mm-hmm. a big thing is a lot of them leave and they find jobs outside of the Philippines. And so, you know, the more companies that we have going there and mm-hmm. investing in that industry, the more jobs it creates. And, you know, the more people kind of value that kind of work because in the Philippines, like for instance, like when I moved here to the States, manual labor here is so expensive like Mm -hmm. no wonder everything is made in china for instance but in the philippines manual labor is cheap which i find incredibly sad because our manual laborers are so talented but because there are so many of them and there aren't enough employment opportunities for them they're not valued the way that they should be and so you know if if camille and i are doing our jobs correctly and we stick with this for a really long time. I think the major goal here is for when people hear like the words made in the Philippines, it means something in the way that when people think, oh, made in France or made in Italy, it means something to them. And I would love for people to just develop this awareness that if you have a product made in the Philippines, it is quality. It is made of really good materials. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you're you're providing jobs for these people and yeah. you're creating you're helping to foster and cultivate a really good livelihood you know for these people yeah so are you guys contracting with specific artisans or mm-hmm. how does that work okay yeah yeah exactly. yeah so it's really a personal relationship you know um you know we we hope to like employ larger and larger groups of artisans as we go along but what's important to us at the end of the day is like the personal relationships that we have with them especially since we're not based there you know um camille and i make it a point to go home every year um but at the end of the day uh i think it's like a huge undertaking to kind of like single-handedly save a whole industry you know um i mean what was it that Camille's trying to do? End poverty. Yeah. End so, I mean, yeah. she I might mean, be able to single-handedly save the Philippines. <laughs> we try. Like, we try our best, like, in, like, small ways. So, just us, yeah. like, helping these female artisans and us using, like, materials that are sustainable. Um, we're at least contributing in small ways. So, um, yeah. <laughs> That's so great. All right, so I figure we'll try and move on. Okay. Um, I try to play, I try to play a game like every episode, <laughs> just to kind of keep it light, change it up a little bit. Okay. Um, but this one was tough. I was like, how do we, <laughs> how do we make a game out of this? Also, a game that's audible because I feel like yeah. it'd be really easy with like pearls or bringing yeah. something yeah. visual into it. But I'm like, but this is an audio medium. <laughs> so how are we gonna pl- turn this into an auditory game? So. Looking at your products, both of them with the shells and the pearls, mm-hmm. all I could think of is just mermaids. Like, <laughs> yeah. Super shiny, sparkly mermaids. And then that got me thinking about the mass mermaid culture that we have had in the United States and amongst millennials over the last few years. We kind of talked about this briefly earlier, but it was millennial mermaid toast and the mermaid lattes and the mermaid frappuccinos and all those... <laughs> onesie swimsuits that are like mermaid off duty and mermaid (laughs) waves for your hair like it's such a mermaid culture all around us Mm -hmm. so thinking about mermaid culture thinking about your products reminding me of mermaids i was thinking what if we look at some of the most iconic mermaid films Mm -hmm. and see if we can find a way to approach them in a more sustainable or eco-friendly way like what's What's the eco-friendly twist on The Little mm-hmm. Mermaid or on Splash? <laughs> I will read like a little, this little short blurb for mm-hmm. each film. Okay. And then we can try and think of what is the most sustainable way to approach this or what's the okay. eco-friendly twist on the story. Gotcha. And I've thought of some for each of them. So if you can't think of any, I will swoop in. And but save us. <laughs> jump, in, jump in if you can. Okay. All right. So, we got The Little Mermaid. A mermaid princess makes a Faustian bargain in an attempt to become human and win a prince's love. So, gives up her voice so that she can walk on land, find her true love. Mm-hmm. She's got her collection of what's-its and oozits and all the thingamabobs. What, what is the sustainable twist or what is the eco-friendly twist on The Little Mermaid? Well, I think this one's easy, like... Ariel was the original hoarder. <laughs> like, she would, like, pick up a bent fork and just be like, this is precious. Oh, I could use this yeah. for something. Like, don't throw this away. When it really was just, like, 
garbage that people were throwing into the ocean. So, like, yeah. if you think about it, like, all the people that, you know, when they do beach cleanups and they do pick up garbage along the shore, like, Ariel was doing Ariel. that, but she was doing it underwater. Yeah, she yeah. was basically She safe. was, like, the original, like, upcycle ocean queen. cleanup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, upcycle queen. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she sees, like, um, an old comb there, like, a... Um, anything that she could brush her hair with, she'll use it. And like a clip that she can see, like, oh, that's like, um, like, like, what is this? It's a starfish. I'll put it in my hair. Like, yeah. She used like old clamshells for a bikini. Like, yeah. do you know the transgender Filipina model Gina Rosero? I don't. So she is like the first Asian transgender woman to be featured in Playboy. Okay. And her big thing is when she goes to the beach, she likes to create swimsuits out of materials that she sees on the beach. So she'll use coconut shells, she'll use leaves, she'll use, like, fruit, like, and she will find, like, because um, if you use banana leaves, for instance, that's uh -huh. a really good way to bind things together. And so oh. she, like, ties it all together with, like, banana leaves. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Awesome. Right. <laughs> modern aerial right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so cool. All right, so we got Splash. A young man is reunited with a mermaid who saved him from drowning as a boy. He falls in love with her, not knowing who or what she is. So this is the Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah classic film where he drowns off the coast of Cape Cod and she comes to find him in New York City and then they fall in love. Do you guys, huh. did you see this one? Never seen I it. I actually oh. haven't seen oh. it. Oh, it's, it's kind of one of the quintessential mermaid films of gotcha. like the late 80s, early 90s. Ron Howard made it. It was. It's kind of one of the big ones in Daryl Hannah, and I would say in Tom Hanks's career. Mm. Um, so this one to me, it was a little tougher because it's it's more about the love story and less about mm -hmm. her being a mermaid because that's uh -huh. the secret that she's a mermaid. Yeah. Uh, but I why was is thinking, this a, why is it a secret though? Because she so he drowns off the coast of Cape Cod. And she saves him and takes his wallet, and then he goes back to New York, and then she goes and finds him, and then she's with him, and she's walking around, and then one day he goes in the bathroom, sees her in the bathtub. It's kind of an iconic image. Huh, You've okay. probably seen the picture of her in the bathtub and, like, the big tail flapping over the uh -huh. edge. Um, but I was thinking the sustainable twist, or, like, the eco-friendly twist is a mermaid leaves a microplastic-filled ocean off the coast of Cape Cod only to travel to the only place with more trash. Oh, <laughs> how? Like, it's not, like, a happy sustainability <laughs> story, but I feel like that's how you would bring it in, get yeah. the people talking. Yeah. Like, oh, she left the ocean thinking she could finally breathe or, like, eat something that didn't have plastic in it, and then just... It's basically, yeah, the same, but even a little bit worse. <laughs> she had to keep herself alive by, like, soaking in the bathtub? Uh, so she couldn't get her legs wet, or it would do that, but then oh. there came a point when she was in the bathtub, and then he came in and saw her tail. So, uh, like, yeah. she couldn't take a bath then, because she would turn back? Kind of, yeah, which is why she had the door locked. So, see, that's eco-friendly then. Yeah. Yeah. Take fewer showers. Like, yeah, <laughs> like saving water. So yeah, like, I washed my hair twice a week, much to the chagrin of my boyfriend. <laughs> hey. But I save water. <laughs> there you go. And yep. that we is how it. Splash is <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay, so Aquamarine, 
Two teenage girls discover a mermaid in their beach club swimming pool. There was a big storm, and then they found the mermaid in the pool, and she mm-hmm. has to find true love, or she will be forced into an arranged marriage. Oh, no. Uh, but then, I heard of arranged marriages aren't that bad. This is from a very limited, like, anecdotal pool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Have you seen this movie, I think? I, is it, like, a Disney movie? Uh, it wasn't a... I don't think it was Disney necessarily, but it was Emma Roberts and JoJo as these two 13-year-old girls who... No way, JoJo acted? Yeah. Really? JoJo, like the singer, like she sang like Leave, Get Out? Yeah. Really? She did Aquamarine, she did RV. I didn't know that. Classic family road trip film, Oh, that one, I've seen that one, yeah. She was pretty good in that film. But, like, I didn't know that she, I, I, I haven't seen this movie, but it sounds so familiar. So I was like, I probably The saw, iconic like, the image commercial. of all the girls, like, leaning on their, like, their hands on their, their chin in their hands, and then <gasps> they're all leaning forward, and, but the mermaid has, like, a tail that comes up behind them. Mm. Well, I feel like, <laughs> did I live under a rock? Like, I, I not This is 2006, 2007. Uh-huh. I was a JoJo fan. I didn't know anything about this movie. That's what's the shocking part. If you were saying, oh, I don't know Aquamarine, fine. But the fact that you are a self-proclaimed JoJo fan, well, and you I leave like Get a... Out, but you don't know <laughs> but I mean, it never came out in the Philippines, did it? I don't think so. Because, like, in the Philippines, it was, like, kind of limited on what they were, like, showing in the yeah. TV. So... I think, like, when I was visiting the U.S., I would see, like, oh. um, I would see, like, commercials of it, but then yeah. I really haven't, like, seen the movie itself, but... Gotcha. It's in storm. Florida, there's a big storm, then after the storm, they find this mermaid in their pool, and the mermaid asks for their help, because she has to find love in three days, or she will be forced back to, in the ocean where she is in an arranged marriage. Mm. So the girls are going to help her out, and then the mermaid also is kind of, like, a genie, and she will grant a wish if they help her find love. Oh, can she, like, can she be, like, Ariel and, like, get legs, or does she only have the fin? Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. I feel like she only had the fin. Mm. Oh, so she was trapped Like, they had to, like, keep her in the pool, or they were, like, moving her around, but, like, in, like... Well, water. Wow, that's that's like I'm, a logistical I'm, like. Maybe yeah. she, I feel like she must have had feet at some point, but all I remember is her being in the pool and then her being like this secret and them having to protect her and she couldn't move around because she was the mermaid. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been at like least like years, so. I'm thinking of like a sustainable part of it. Like I think her being just in the pool, not being like you know watered in the shower. At least they're kind of like saving. Like they're just like putting her in the pool and not like putting her in the shower and like I don't know I'm just like or maybe because um because she had to be in water and you said they had to transport her somehow in water like I guess you could apply that to like shipping for instance like if you ship something by water well that doesn't make sense if you um what is the term for it if you if, like if you, you send something some, yeah if you freight something via water I think that's like more sustainable than like air flight because it is yeah there's like lower emissions yes i think that's a sustainable twist by the way i mean the way alahas and casa isla the way we ship our goods um we try to send it over five to seven days because Mm -hmm. apparently the the carbon emissions emitted are lower like the longer it takes to ship as Mm -hmm. opposed to like 
what the way Amazon does it, where it's one to two days, that that's really really bad yeah. for the environment. Like that's crazy carbon emissions. Yeah, yeah. Just a plug in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds about right. Uh, I was trying to think. Aquamarine. That was another tough one. I was thinking climate change rages hurricanes upon the Florida coast, throwing people and debris everywhere. But do teenage girls clean it up and work with displaced refugees? That's that what she is. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's like a good sustainable. It's like an ethical twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that one was tough. That one was tough. I, man, I'm so surprised I've got two JoJo fans <laughs> in front of me. But also two JoJo fans that didn't see Aquamarine. I know. Didn't even know that she had an acting career. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> this one came out two years ago, I believe. Do you remember The Lure? It was a Polish horror film about mermaids. It was a Polish horror film that was also a musical about mermaids that eat people. Mm. I have very, very vague recollections of this. I, to be honest, I, I haven't, like, I haven't heard about it. I'm also not a big horror film person. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah, I have, like, no backbone when it comes to horror films. Fair enough. So the description was, in Warsaw, a pair of mermaid sisters are adopted into a cabaret. While one seeks love with humans, the other hungers to dine on the human population of the city. Any any thoughts on how this film can have an eco-friendly twist? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I guess it's more eco-friendly to dine on free-range humans than <laughs> farmed humans. That worked. That could work. I was thinking kind of along the same lines. Yeah. I was thinking, okay, humans in Warsaw, what's going on there? And I was reading about the sustainability there, and they have had um, increased bike share usage and they have developed a second metro line, so it's like it's easier for the humans to get away uh-huh. from the one who yeah. wants to eat. So maybe the one that's eating people, she is thwarted because everyone's able to escape due to public transit. <laughs> that's a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> Yay for mass transportation! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saving people from human hungry mermaids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so we'll do a last one. Uh, so, I don't know if you guys remember this film. It's called The 13th Year. Mm-hmm, it was a mm-hmm. Disney movie. Uh, and it was about a teen who learns that his birth mother is a mermaid, and he is a merman when he begins to grow fins and slimy scales on his 13th birthday. Can you repeat it? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> For me, I'm like, I heard it, but I'm like, like, what? <laughs> I'm like trying to, like process it i'm like how could so he's like half mermaid okay and then on his 13th birthday instead of going through like the normal stages of puberty he starts to grow like scales and fins oh my gosh he becomes a merman becomes at the end he like swims off with his mom into the ocean really yeah huh. so how can we make this sustainable what is a sustainable twist to this what 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 was his gift like during birthday during his birthday or was there like a party there was a party for his 13th birthday and the girl that liked him i don't remember the character's name but it was played by courtney draper from the jersey 
if you watched that on Disney, and she gave him a framed photo of the two of them, but she had made the frame by hand, and it had, like, little seashells and things all glued to it. Oh, there you go. That's, yeah. like, she she reused, like, shells to, like, actually create, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, she upcycled. Like, she... And she handmade it instead yeah. of buying something in the store. Which is way more sustainable. There you go. There That's you go. definitely That's sustainable. sustainable <laughs> now, that, now that I'm thinking about it, there is one important mermaid that we forgot. Zoolander. Oh, Merman. <laughs> merman. <laughs> this is very true. I mean, what's the... I Well, Zoolander is actually an easier one because it's involving models and fashion. But what's the sustainable twist to Zoolander? Well, I think it's right there. Um, that fashion designer, Derelict. Or no, True, yeah, yeah right? Like, it was all, like, garbage that he upcycled oh, yeah. <laughs> into fashion. Yo, Ben Stiller was way ahead of his time. Yeah. He really was. Yeah. That movie was so good. Although yeah. it hurt me that Zoolander 2 was so bad. Yeah, it was so They awful. waited so long. I know. And it was so bad. And it was, it was just the like... only, like, moment where Anna Wintour was awkward. That woman is never awkward, but, like, her role was just so awkward in the movie. It was just so bad. For how long they took to make it, to then do it so poorly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just shouldn't have done it. Yeah. It just, like, went from up here, like, and, like, just went down there. Like, like, what happened, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Truly. I can't even tell you. There's nothing salient in the plot whatsoever. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you guys just had an event a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I have been throwing events, I feel like crazy, for my day job. It is so hard to throw events. Yes. Um, Especially ones where you're trying to be conscious about it. Yeah. Or low impact and not have a ton of waste. Tell me about, A, what your event was. Mm-hmm. Uh, people probably know a little bit about it because I did email everyone I could about it. And but thank you so much <laughs> Thank you so that. much. No we appreciate it. But tell us about your event, what it was, and also anything you kind of learned through that process on how to throw an eco-friendly event or what are your sort of tips from that experience and how other people can be a little bit lower impact with the things that they do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we actually, it, it was more of like um, a community. It's more of like a friend of mine heard about, you know, what happened with the Amazon forest. And she was like, I can't just like sit down and not do anything about it. Shout out to Ariana. <laughs> and then she was like, um, let's do let's create an event let's look for a brazilian organization that we could like you know um donate the money to whatever like we actually earn in the in the um party so um so that's where it started and it was just more of like i told kai about it and she was very passionate about helping as well and so um we we reached out to brands that were also um sustainable um and um people from the un as well um, also were passionate about it and they they were part of the panelists in the event so it was more of like just a big community um, having that one goal trying to help out and contribute it was definitely hard like an event is like creating an event is definitely hard but it's more of like everyone just chipping in and just like um, trying to think about the cost more of the cost and 
rather than just like um the stress of it so i guess like you cannot eliminate like the stress in creating an event um especially when you're trying to be conscious about like you know the the products that we use there like the cups or like the 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 um brands that were involved in it and also like the the panelists like there's a lot going on but everyone was just like um uh what do you call this having a conversation about it like we had a group in whatsapp and everyone was like is this like um is this brand like you know um what do you call this sustainable enough so everyone was just researching and just contributing i guess yeah yeah and i think honestly as as since i was i wasn't in new york at the time like this whole thing was being planned um i only i honestly thought it was incredible how everything came together um when I entered like the pop-up space, the way it was decorated, it was so beautiful. It was like being in Esmeralda's tent. Mm -hmm. um, it was, and I was told that um, the Brazilian artists who decorated the tent, they used all upcycled materials. Like they didn't buy new materials to create. You know, they created yeah. like all these different like lanterns and just like drip yeah. things from the ceiling. Yeah. Like it was just amazing. And I remember that evening, like it poured and poured rain mm -hmm. like the yeah. entire evening. And I was just so nervous. And, you know, I remember Ariani, the organizer, she was saying, I was so worried that people wouldn't show up for the panelists and then everybody would just like show up for the DJ at the end. But actually the opposite happened. Yeah. Like people really showed up to hear what these panelists had to say about sustainability and saving the Amazon rainforest. And towards the end of the night, like that's when people started to peter out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just have to brag on, you know, this community that, you know, we really can take credit for planning mm -hmm. all of this ourselves. Um, and I just have to kind of brag on them a little bit. Um, Our House, Our Future, um, that's the name of the organization mm -hmm. um, that Camille... Um, and I were a part of, like, we were able to raise over $3,000 to donate to, um, what was the name of the organization? Brigada. Brigada del Terre. Yeah. yeah. And so they're, like, an independent group um, uh, in Brazil where, like, they put out the fires in the Amazon themselves. And they're all made up of volunteers. And they're mm -hmm. completely funded by donations. Yeah. And it's amazing because... Um, so when we um, told them our goal, they were actually always updating us of what like, you know, photos of what they're currently doing and like how they're so thankful because like this American dollars would be converted into 10,000 Brazilian um, currency. So um, they already have like a plan for that money that we were able to raise for their Q4 goals. So it's basically like um basically like they're already like doing things to help out the amazon which was amazing and although we were also nervous because like of course like we we had a goal for the event and we were like kind of nervous that we won't reach that goal um we were still um we were still able to come through so yeah yeah no it was amazing um but yeah, planning events like that will really like take out so much out of you like camille and i have only done two pop-ups this entire year yeah. so far because the first one we did last spring um was also a sustainable pop-up it was mm -hmm. comprised of i think maybe seven sustainable seven. brands um we did a pop-up along allen street was it allen street yeah, and the lower allen east side? side yeah yeah and um 
I also have so much admiration for the group that came together. Like everybody really pitched in, you know, one design, one, um, one brand owner, you know, she did all of the graphic design, you yeah. know, for all of our posters and our social media. Um, the vendors that we asked to come in, like the food vendors, you know, we asked, you know, it has, you know, the food has to be vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our, like the, like the napkins and everything, you know, we purchased them from Whole Foods. Um, we made sure that everything was sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what do you call this? Like they, there was a panelist that yeah. was like talking about um, sustainable fashion and there were like questions that were raised and everyone was like, um, you know, pitching in on like ideas and how to make, you know, more of a sustainable world. So it was like a great overall event, but I mean, the stress wouldn't be like, I mean, you cannot take out the stress in it. It's more (laughs) of like, it's fulfilling. Like it's fulfilling to be able to build something like that. And like, it's for a cause. So yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And again, just had an idea. Went yeah, for just it. Like, and then, you made the money? They're using it right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just leaping, going for it. Just I love like, it so it. much. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so we're almost out of time, but I had no idea about Sleeves Hit, so we need to talk about that before <laughs> mm-hmm. we wrap up. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, go. What is so, this? Tell actually, me more. So, um, Sleeve said it started actually um, on styling other women, and we were like, you know what? Um, we don't want to, like, create more ways and, like, look for a manufacturer. Why not just, like, use what, like, people are always, like, buying clothes. Why not reuse that? So we were, like, asking our friends, hey, um, you have, like, some clothes that you're not using? And they're like, yeah, I have a ton. So, and we were telling them about the idea of the brand and they were like, and, like, my other friends would, would be like, oh, I have, like, a bag of clothes that I that is just sitting in my closet and I actually want to give it away and like I actually don't know what to do with it so we made like um a plan for it it's actually still in the testing stage Mm -hmm. but um we want to see if it's like if it's if it's good and if it's like needed um so basically the process of it is um you need you have like a bag of clothes that you want to like like give away or throw um instead of throwing it um we would like pick it up from your place and then we'll sell it in our website and then every time like someone buys we give you 20% of the cost of it so um, either 20% you get in cash or like um, 40% um, you get as a credit in the store so that's basically it so it's like recycling instead of like actually looking for a manufacturer like um, to style women so yeah. yeah closing the loop absolutely mm-hmm. that's yeah. important yeah I think the last two episodes by the time this comes out two episodes yeah. ago it was about cl- pushing for a closed loop mm-hmm. and how do you do that and yeah. that's a great example of how yeah. you do that yeah mm-hmm. exactly like how can we be more sustainable like like I am passionate about design also like I enjoy fashion I enjoy like designing also like home decor so how can I put this like creativity of mine not without like creating more ways so we were like okay we can design like you know we can like style other women with just using like clothes that that they're like other people are giving away so we came up with that idea of just like reusing whatever like is already like there instead of like creating new new designs so yeah so are you, is your target audience for sleeves it 
designer or not designer stylists or is it regular consumers regular consumers okay. but um we want to like for example you have an event that you're going to um we'll we'll style you using the clothes that are like like given away by our friends or like by anyone else that they're not using their clothes for cool yeah. i like that <laughs> i think that the service aspect of yeah it, exactly as just like a marketplace is what makes that really unique yeah mm. so like we can we can style you if you need to go to an event or you can also pick from the clothes that we have in our website so mm-hmm. yeah it's basically more of like the items that we have it's more of like just already like upcycled clothes yeah that's so cool. That <laughs> totally makes sense. More and more people like Depop and Poshmark are becoming exactly so much more popular than yeah. just straight to consumer retail sites. Yeah. Like the resale sites are where there's a ton of growth. So yeah. that seems like a great field to be getting into yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And hopefully it grows like um, how Ella has in Casa Isla is. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, so that's amazing. I'm glad we were able to hear about that. Yeah. Is there any thing else I need to know any other secrets or other projects <laughs> or things going on I'm like what else is going on oh my gosh I mean I guess that's about it I yeah. mean we were hoping to like do another pop-up mm-hmm. in November yeah. but we're still that's still very much very early in the planning stages but I kind of wanted to do another um fundraising pop-up mm-hmm. for um, the Amazon rainforest just because we were so pumped by how yeah. successful the last event was mm-hmm. and you know Christmas is coming up and you just kind of want to take advantage of like people buying gifts like you know if you're gonna buy gifts you know for your friends and loved ones like why not buy this and then a portion of like whatever you buy will go straight to Brigada del Ter and you yeah. know they're doing the good work yeah yep. and it's like um we met so many great um I guess uh, entrepreneurs during yeah. um, the fundraiser, the recent fundraiser event, mm-hmm. and everyone was just talking about like how great this was and how we want to do another one. So we're like kind of like it's cooking. Like we're mm-hmm. thinking of actually like making another event before Christmas and hoping that it pushes through. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people follow you? Find you? keep track of when that might be happening, all those things. Yeah, that's a great question. So for Casa Isla, we have an Instagram account, which is Casa Isla. So it's C-A-S-A-Y-S-L-A. Um, you can follow, like, we always update our um, stories and also any events that we have. Um, it's all there. And we have a website as well, which is www.casa-isla.com. And yeah, for and Alahas. for Alahas, um, you can follow us on Instagram. It's at a l a j a dot n y c. Um, I'm not as great about Camille. I'm not as great as Camille when it comes to updating the Instagram of Alahas. Camille is amazing, by the way. Like if you the the Instagram of Casa Isla is so pretty. I'm not as I'm not as diligent, unfortunately. But when we do have events, I make sure that people know about it through the Instagram. Um, but you can also visit us on our website. It's www.alahasnyc. So that's a l a j a s n y c dot com. Amazing. Yeah, and like Alahas's, you're like selling it short. Alahas's Instagram is amazing as well. There are a lot of like influencers who are just like reposting about them all the time so it's like amazing <laughs> i know i like i 
I have to give a lot of credit to the influencers who've been like wearing the jewelry and like tagging me because otherwise I wouldn't have content. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad they're doing that for yeah. you. I'm also glad that you guys had this beautiful tag team to like build each other up. Yeah. Oh, I was talking about how great you are. And I have yeah. to talk about how great you are. <laughs> it's our partnership it's is actually really great um, yeah. because like we have like different set of skills that just meshes. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. I do things that I just like am good at and she does things that we don't even have to tell each other. And like, yeah. We just like, yeah, let's do it. And it just works out. So <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I love it. That's so awesome. Everybody needs a Camille in their lives. And everybody <laughs> needs a Kai. Sorry, Kathleen. In their lives. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, I do, but you're here right now. So I'm lucky. I, I get to reap that benefit right now. Uh, but this has been another episode of the Hand Me Up Club podcast. I am Lindsay. You can find the Hand Me Up Club at Hand Me Up Club uh, on Instagram, our email is handmeupclub at gmail.com, and our website is www.handmeup.club. And I will talk to you next week. Bye! Hand Me Up Club is hosted by Lindsay Ruter, recorded and engineered by Adam Zucker, and edited by Caitlin Correa at CC Media. Thanks for listening!